0: In this series, we talk to New Zealand graphic designers, hear their stories, and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Nicole Arnett-Phillips. Nicole is a designer, typographer, publisher, and printmaker. Originally from New Zealand, she currently lives in Brisbane. She divides her working week between client work and her own practice of publishing, typographic, and printmaking pursuits, aka typographer. Nicole, hi! Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I'd like to start with asking you where you've come from. How did you get into graphic design? First of all, thanks for having me, Lou. It's really lovely to be here. Um, where do, like my
1: journey with graphic design actually started in the early 80s. Um, my dad was working at the New Zealand Herald out of Ellerslie um, in their their print facilities and. Um, I was just mesmerized with the process of watching language become visible and um, the, the whole making process that went behind a newspaper and um, yeah I just was really really passionate about that kind of production um, mechanism and wanted to get involved in, in that and that led me towards graphic design because I
0: wanted to make I guess. So when you were at design school then, um, did you have a focus even then on um, making and the physical side of graphic design? Very
1: much so. Probably more so than I should have. Um, So I I studied at AUT and I was there at a time where um, they were starting to really steer people towards more digital spaces Um, and... I was very, very focused on making books and doing printmaking and and the more physical things and um, was, yeah, really, really focused on on that kind of... I wanted to solve problems, but I wanted to solve problems with tactile or tangible objects rather than make a ball bounce in in animation or do something in Photoshop. I, I wanted there to be an outcome from that
0: and so did you find designers practicing at the time um or historically that you looked to that were uh, strong in that area absolutely I think that um well from at the time
1: I really looked up to people like um Derek Birdsell and Rick Poyner um but I the more historical um people that I would look to would be people like Chickold or, um, particularly, um, Dwiggins. So they were graphic designers that focused on, on books and were, and Dwiggins was making marionettes and puppets and all kinds of cool stuff. So he was a a graphic designer for clients, but, um, but yeah, he, he very much focused on process and craft and and making
0: and, and his work. And I really admired that. Mm. And then looking for you, you know, a job in the industry, um, did that you know inform your choices and what you were look, looking for?
1: Yeah, I was I was quite fortunate um, in that I already had some work related to industry um, throughout my time at AUT. So I was working a minimum of eighteen hours a week uh, for clothing brands, and it was mainly doing marketing and admin. But I had some sort of visual duties um, with that. So I was getting a little bit of experience in those fields. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to get into a, a publishing space with magazines or books. Um, and so I did as much work experience as I could. and I did work experience for Random House and Reed Alsby and also at Wilson and Horton who owned The Herald, um, which led me to my first out of uni job which was at Reed. Um, sort of typesetting books, which was great. Mm.
0: Mm. And living in Brisbane, um, what led you to move there? Because you've been there, kind of maybe about seven years now. We've yeah, actually come come out fourteen years. Oh wow, okay. so a lot. Yeah, it has <laughs> yeah. been a while.
1: Um, yeah. We uh, what led us there? The very boring, non-creative answer is sunshine and cheap house prices. Yeah. <laughs> um And. We love Brisbane, it's a beautiful city It's a lovely place to live But we're actually in
0: the process of um, moving back oh, Which is cool. cool and exciting too And do you, living in that environment Kind of outside of New Zealand and um, in Australia Did that um, inform your practice as a young designer? Definitely I think that um, one of the things that I was really fortunate
1: with in Brisbane Is that there's Uh, A few different publishers working at different scales, and it opened up the opportunity to um, work on all different kinds of books that I probably wouldn't have got here Um, at the time in New Zealand. A lot of the publishers were really struggling, um, early 2000s, and there was a lot of merger and, and um, flux, I guess in the New Zealand industry uh, but the, the Australian publishing industry was was a bit more stable. So mm-hmm. as a young young graphic designer without a lot of experience being in, in Australia did help at that time. Um, but I think I think that it's still probably, now, more so, there's more parity between what's happening in NZ and Australia. I think the industries are probably more aligned mm-hmm. now than they, they were back then. It was quite a while ago.
0: <laughs> Can you think of um, you know Australian designers um, that stood out for you during your early career? Um, during my early career,
1: probably... I was really excited to see that Vince Frost had made the leap from the UK to Asia to Australia. Um, so sort of following his trajectory, I was always really inspired by Vince and his work. Um, also, uh, people like Kevin Finn, who just are just amazing, but again, not actually Australian, just living in Australia. Um, Kevin's work's really inspiring. Um, the narratives that he crafts with his brand and, and graphic outcomes are just really, really amazing and well considered and um yeah as far as locals, um people like Dominic Feller um are also really inspiring. Um, she's someone I really look up to on lots of levels with her graphic role but the stuff that she does for community through things like typism and her teaching um uh, yeah really inspirational as well
0: have you um read vince frost's book design your life yes it's a bible i think yeah. it's amazing yeah yeah I, I read it recently and um really enjoyed it for being um so succinct and it's um in its style um would you like to you know design your kind of own book about your process like that because it's very um graphic in its um presentation as well um i i
1: don't think that i am i would have enough value to share in the same way that vince does but um i love producing my own book works Mm -hmm. um either via the journal or Um, some of the letterpress stuff that I do in my shed and absolutely I want to continue to produce and share those kinds of books. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, as far as having the kind of prolific and in-depth value that, that Vince, um, shares, you could only aspire to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So talking about your, um, journals and your, um, personal practice, um, how did you discover uh, Letterpress is something that you wanted to work with in your personal practice? I,
1: um, I came to it from a place of, um, I guess, of therapy almost. So I um, was doing really well professionally. Um, I had a, a small studio. I had about 11 people reporting to me. I was traveling a lot internationally and interstate um, and working on some great project um but I was defining my worth by my work and the quality of my outcomes I was so heavily emotionally invested in my work and um I it wasn't sustainable I was working 60 to 80 hours a week and all I kind of cared about was the success of my projects over my well-being and also um over my learning I wasn't I felt like I was going forward in the professional ladder of the design community, but I felt really stuck. Um, So Letterpress for me was, I kind of bought my first one in 2009 on a little bit of a whim. As I said, I'd always been fascinated by print and making, and I just wanted to reconnect with the process of making and doing something for myself. Um, My client work at the time was so depleting. I was giving so much of it, Um, of myself to my clients I wanted to have something selfish that sort of topped up that bucket that I was depleting in my client work and after buying the first one in 2009 I just fell in love with it and then I started trying to do less and less client work so I could do more and more of that
0: and what would be some of the kind of main things that you've learned from um, this process of working on a personal practice as much as the client work
1: Um, it's been really important for my professional development um but also my personal development I think that um having having a mixture of both self-initiated initiated work and client initiated work um means that I can basically focus on becoming a better designer and my improvement I can um I can learn and practice and test things on my own in my own time that makes me stronger for when I need to solve my clients' problems. Um, so, And it also makes me more engaged and probably um, not more creative, but it, it, having the space to work on my own projects makes me, I guess a better problem solver um, and and gives me some more abstract thinking skills for when I'm doing my client work rather than just getting stuck in that production mode that is really easy to get stuck in when you're solving briefs for clients at an hourly rate.
0: Do you think it makes you more efficient then in terms of that work for your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I live and die by my calendar and I um, because I normally only do a maximum of three days a week client work, um I make sure that I'm highly efficient and that I'm able to bill for as many of those hours as I can and produce as much during that time as I can and I've kind of got the incentive of if I get through all this not only can I then send an invoice but I can go and make a mess in the shed and get covered in ink and cut up some paper and do some fun stuff
0: so and then do your clients um, kind of know and um, appreciate that you're available kind of say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday each week and work with that or? Most of the time. Um, obviously,
1: if they've got a big, um, if it's a client that I work with a lot and they've got a, a big or a pressing deadline and they need to go to print with something, um, if they need me to make space outside of my normal office hours, I will do that, um, but they they're they're all really um aware because I scope it so whenever I get a new project I um will write what my availability what my capacity is and what days and what hours they're going to get as part of our contract so um I guess that's just part of an organizational admin thing but they they know exactly what they're getting before they start and I do my best to stick with that time frame and then if they need a little bit more then we
0: kind of negotiate it and flex it out there. So you're managing kind of the relationships and expectations and do you think that's something that um, graphic designers could do you know as a small studio as a larger studio instead of being beholden to um, long days and short deadlines? Absolutely I think that um it's
1: really important that you set expectations early because your client doesn't know if you don't educate them on what is achievable in the time that you've got or what's achievable in the budget that they've got, um, their, their views and perspectives are always going to be unrealistic. Um, so if you want to have a sustainable relationship, that a working relationship with a client, it's actually really good for you to educate them um, in, in, and how you work and what is achievable and, and what the value that you offer is. Otherwise they're always going to come to you with short deadlines and low fees and expect you to, you know, build the Taj Mahal. Um, Whereas, you know, if you can upfront negotiate that stuff and, and educate them, that's, it's better all around for industry
0: and for you and for your client. And building that confidence in yourself in terms of how you want to live your life, how you want to work with your clients yeah I
1: I really um because I am a small studio like it's it's just me I have a a couple of other designers I outsource things to if a, a project requires skills that I don't have um but typically it's it's just me and so my clients are my collaborators and so my relationship with them is really important and I want my clients do my marketing for me, they recommend me, they refer me, word of mouth is how I win work. So um, maintaining those relationships and, and keeping the clients happy is really important to the sustainability of me in practice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really crucial, I think.
0: Yeah. And you also produce the Typograph Journal, Uh, four issues to date Um, so tell us about how this project came about Um, I was spending a lot of time in the
1: print shed uh, making so I have a print pavilion in my backyard I have nine printing presses in there and um, I was producing a lot of artist books in editions of one, two and five and you know spending $200 on paper for a book and things like that and they were lovely play things for me Um, but I wanted to create something that was for more than myself. I wanted to create something for community. I wanted to create something that was a vehicle for me to continue that learning and that self-initiated play, but to share it with others and um, also to open up new opportunities to collaborate with people. So um, I started the journal to basically... do all the stuff that I was doing with my artist books, but to do it in a low-cost um, way that could profile other people um, and could just open up opportunities for dialogue with designers that I admired and, and also just wanted to partner with. Um, so I, I produced Typegraph Journal Volume 1 as kind of a test and a bit of an experiment to see how it would be received and if anyone else was interested in it. And thankfully they were. So, um, yeah, so it's it's been a really fun project to be working on and, and playing with and, and partnering with other people to produce. And what's the response been from the community? Yeah, so mixed. Um, so Typhograph Journal Volume 1 um, was almost like a manifesto it was a lot about what I believed um about typography and what I wanted to establish with the journal and it was very very well received um and has been both the content and the design um was sort of picked up internationally and um and yeah quite well recognized which was lovely. Um, the volumes two, three, and four have, um, different, uh, focuses. They're more content heavy and, um, explore different issues like design process or technology and design. Um, and they have particular audiences, so, um there's some of them are more well received by academics and some of them are more well received by practicing graphic designers and some of them are more well received by type kind of specialists Um, and what I'm kind of working out is whether I want to have a general audience or whether I want to have a more specialized audience or kind of how I work for the different different content and different demands that I get from the different people that are reading it
0: And has it led to um, other projects with designers or client work? Absolutely. Um,
1: Lots, actually. So it's definitely led to a lot of collaborations um, and even some artwork and things that have been uh, created for exhibitions from a personal level, but from a professional level, um, I think that the exposure that Typograph Journal has, got for me and my practice has absolutely led to client work and it's also a really good thing when I'm working with authors and publishers for me to be able to say I'm also a publisher I understand the distribution process I understand the constraints of production and paper and keeping things cheap um and you know I've got evidence and can demonstrate my knowledge of it um that has definitely helped with me winning work um but also my audience from the journal kind of demanded a more digital presence so i've got this blog and um that is definitely driving traffic now to my professional practice as well so as the readership for the blog grows i'm getting a lot more inquiries to nicole ap which is my consulting side so it's all feeding each other so
0: you talk about you know learning more about um publishing and that's helped in terms of working with your clients and what else have you learned you know perhaps in curating and um, designing and writing the writing thing's really interesting
1: because I think that I am a terrible writer and it's something that I really want to improve on like I'm I'm a graphic designer um, and a typesetter but um, writing is not something that I would have thought is my strong suit. And so typograph journals really made me up my game, my writing game. And um, my writing is definitely improving. And now I'm being commissioned to write for other publications, which um, is kind of an interesting development, um, one, an unanticipated development, um, but a nice outcome from that. So it's definitely helping me improve. Um, on that front And the, one of the other things That I've been learning uh, Through producing it That's really helped Is definitely the distribution um, Side of the business um, So that's that's been a real Kind of um, Yeah, steep learning curve But a beneficial one
0: So has it led you down pathways That you wouldn't have thought of? You know, for example With the writing And finding that something you enjoy? Yeah, um, absolutely And
1: finding like, the writing is totally alien to me it's never something that i thought that i would fall into or enjoy and um getting to like i'm writing for small independent type foundries like copywriting Mm -hmm. for them and being paid to review um typefaces for magazines and and even um, contribute articles to things like monotypes recorder magazine um they're they're projects that I'm loving doing that I never would have expected would be an outcome and certainly not something that as a graphic designer that can barely spell um, <laughs> that I would have thought would have come out of my work but I'm
0: enjoying it. So do you think you could see a time where perhaps you wouldn't have client work um, and instead it would be kind of a mix of the journal and then you know writing and other opportunities that have come from that?
1: I think that on days when my clients aren't paying my invoices, I occasionally would romanticize about that for about five or 10 minutes. Um, But no, I like the challenges that come from client work. I like solving problems for my clients. I like that they come to me with problems that I would never have created for myself. And that's different learning opportunities. So, um, and I do think as much as um, I think that a designer's point of view is really important and self-initiated work is really, really important. I, I do still think that graphic design at its heart is a service industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, so I, I do want to be in service to clients. And I think that on the days when those in, late invoices are upsetting me and I think I don't need the clients anyway, um, my reminder to that is that I actually do. I just maybe need better clients sometimes. So is there a volume five in the works for this year? Um, Yes, there is a volume five in the works. Um, I started working on the content development for that uh, last year in in 2016. Um, I'm with the journal's production schedule. I'm I'm sort of following when the content's ready, not when the calendar um, dictates that I should. So... Um, I haven't produced one yet this year, and Volume 5 probably should come out this year, but given um, that we're planning on moving countries, and um, I am really, really busy in my business at the moment, um, it, it might not happen in 2017, but it will happen, the content's under development, it's close um and I'm I'm mixing up um how I'm presenting some of the content in this one so I'm quite excited about the next
0: one when it does happen but I just don't know when it will be yet so you've talked a little bit about the uh, the fact that you're going to be moving countries this year um what else is 2017 about for you um
1: I think it's a, a lot of it's been about learning and improving and that's a really important part of both sides of my practice um so I've been, um, I've, I've been, I've started doing some research um, and I've been trying to improve my writing skills, um, I'm kind of trying to broaden uh, some of my design skills as well, um, so yeah, I guess it's it's been a development year for me, really just improving skills, working on um, strengthening and my creative confidence in myself. Um, so that hopefully next year I can um, start practice again um, in a new space and in a new place and and come at it with, with a kind of confident
0: confidence in myself I guess more than anything. And you know, part of uh, I think disconnecting and reconnecting to yourself seems to be your hands-on um, practice. Um, but do you have other things outside of you know kind of a design or um, craft practice that you? do to disconnect and reconnect?
1: Absolutely two things that are crucial to my world. Um, I have a device free date day with my husband once a week. Um, So literally that is disconnecting. It's a digital detox and we normally go to the beach or um, take the dog somewhere or do something, Um, but just try and get off social media and off devices and I think that's super important. Um and also little known fact that I actually fancy myself as a pretty good cook. So um I try to make sure that wherever possible, um because I do still work long hours, so even though I have reduced days on client work, um I work at least 6 a.m. until six pm, so they're they're big days. Um but I try and once I shut the computer down. Um, yeah, kind of have some self-care through cooking, turn the music up loud and make something make something yummy. And I really enjoy cooking, and I think it's good for my head as well as my heart and tummy.
0: And it, what are you um, looking forward to about moving um, back to New Zealand?
1: Um, I think the and probably, again, the boring answer is the landscape. It's something that I've really missed. Like, Australia is beautiful and um as I said we've really loved and enjoyed living there and the climate we're very spoilt with the weather um but the verdant green that is here and the fact that there's water everywhere and you're constantly surrounded by sea and um the smell of the native bush and drinking some kawakawa tea and all of that stuff um yeah is is exciting um, I'm looking forward to coming back but I must admit at the moment I'm still pretty overwhelmed about the task um, of moving um, our our household and a business and everything else but um, I'm yeah I'm very excited about coming back to this landscape and this culture and this this community and what will you miss about Australia and Brisbane um so I've just flown here and I've gone from a 28 degree winter day, um, to, to coming back and being rubbed up in lots and lots of layers. Um, I definitely will miss the sunshine. Um, and I've built some really, really strong relationships with designers and, and creatives and friends, um, in Australia that, um, I will will definitely miss, and I'm hoping I can maintain those. Um, and likewise with my clients, I I've, I've have really close relationships with a lot of my clients, so I'm hopeful that instead of missing them, I can maintain them. We're only three hours away, so it's easy for me to hop on a plane and um, go back and keep working with those collaborators that I like to work with. Um, but that,
0: yeah, I definitely
1: won't miss snakes in the bush. <laughs>
0: And finally, um, do you have words of wisdom that you'd like to share with other graphic designers and creatives working out there? Yes, I think that this is a, a challenging question, but a really good question. I think that,
1: um, as I said, I'm I'm coming. I started in industry um, quite some time ago. I'm, I'm coming at industry now with about seventeen years' experience and. Um, I still feel like a student of design and that there's always a huge gap between our ambition and our ability and I think that all designers need to remember that gap and just not sort of strive for perfection in their work but instead just strive for getting better and advancing and um, and to just do the best work they can do by investing in themselves and their own creative development, whether that's through self-initiated projects or going to design assembly events and workshops or whatever it is to sort of improve your soil as a designer, um, I think that you know we all need to keep learning and, and keep improving.
0: Cool. Well, we're super excited to have you coming back to the New Zealand community. And thank you very much for your time today, Nicole. Thanks, Lou. For more information in relation to this interview, please go to the podcast links and resources on our website designassembly.org.nz.